Amen. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, newest elder, Cornerstone, first time we've had communion, we threw him right up there. That's how it is. A good job with leading us through the Lord's Supper. Um, so as we, uh, last week, if you were with us, we had a letter from God that he gave to the prophet Jeremiah, how to approach this new year. And now we're turning the page into the new year. I want to do one more week kind of on that same vein. I said, what is Jesus? What kind of strategies might Jesus have? Um, before we get to that, I wanted to start with some win- some uh, a little bit of wisdom from Gandalf, the wizard, as he um, talks about little old Bilbo Baggins. Let's hear from Gandalf. You must be careful. Mithrandir. Why the halfling? I don't know. Saruman believes that it is only a great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love. Why, Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it is because I'm afraid. I think we often think the same way that, um, especially with the times as they are, that what we need is a new president or a new Congress or a new mayor or governor or new vaccine or um, some big thing. So what we tend to do is recede and wait. And when we wait, we get distant. We become spectators. And the wisdom here is that's actually not our job, that each and every one of us collectively and individually are put in places that God is sovereign over to push and keep the darkness at bay. And so we want to talk about how do we approach this new year and what, what does Jesus specifically say to do? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this passage as we come about still uncertain times, God, and, and um times that we'd rather not be, but they're your times, and they're the place and time that you have placed us as believers, as families, as individuals, as a church. And so, Lord, I pray that we would approach your word, God, hungry for your truth and only your truth, that you would use me as just a vessel to dispense what you want for your people today. And God, we humbly just come before you, God, We don't seek to be entertained. We don't seek to just be taught information. We seek changed lives, one degree of glory at a time. So we give this to you, Lord, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 5. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew 5. We will put it on the the screen, but um, if you want to follow along, it's Matthew 5, starting, as you can see, in verse 10. Um, by the way, if you don't own a Bible, we have a stack of them back there. Before you leave, just run back there and grab it. Um, no charge or anything. We, it's our gift to you. So, um, so if you're, you're opening to there, you, if you were here a little early, you saw the promo video that I did. We start next week a five-week series in Lamentations. And some of you have said, oh, Jamie, I'm so excited for Lamentations. That's why I love this church. Excited to lament. That's great. 
Um, but it's, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be an interesting and challenging series, but it's basically five chapters, five laments, okay? So the best way you can kind of prepare, because it's not a book we all spend a lot of time in, right? You probably, when someone says, what's your favorite book of the Bible? You're not saying Lamentations, and maybe it is, but probably not. So maybe it's been a while, or maybe never that you've gone there. So best way to prepare for it before next week is just read chapter one, because um, that's what we'll be covering and kind of looking at. If you forget, still come. We love you. But it's the best way to kind of uh, see what is this going to be about as we look at it. Because it's very poetic and there's a lot of scripture verses. So we're not going to be able to dig in each verse like we might do today in Matthew, right? It's, it's uh, kind of supposed to flow. So it's good to have already had exposed yourself a little bit to that. So be ready for that starting next week. Um, so as we get to, to Matthew, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And um, all the different gospel writers organize their narratives, right? And, and just like they all did back then, right, it, we kind of think of historical narrative to kind of go in chronological order. That wasn't even really a thought for uh, historians back then. They, they arranged true events topically or thematically for a purpose, right, to express what their purpose of writing it was. And they didn't even think of just writing for dry, boring history. That They were teaching something, and in this case, theologically, of course. And so all the different gospel writers kind of did that a little bit differently. And Matthew, if you look, his order is five different discourses, which is just teaching, kind of like what I'm doing now, except much better because it was Jesus. And it starts with the one we're looking at. We're not going to look at all of it, so don't panic. It's uh, chapters 5 to 7, called the Sermon on the Mount. And it ends with the discourse where uh, his disciples ask him about the coming end and him just kind of, here's the sign of the end. That's the last one. And so there's narrative in between each discourse of, about Jesus' life, healings and all that. Starts obviously with the birth stories and, and, and Joseph and Matthew, uh, especially from Joseph's perspective, and then ends with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you have these, that's kind of how he arranged it. And you get to the Sermon on the Mount and this is kind of his first, at least in Matthew, address to these crowds. These crowds of people that are following him around. And, and, he, and he gets on this mountain and he begins to teach this crowd of, this crowd of people. And, and, and really, if you want to lay out the theme of this whole sermon, this discourse from Jesus, is how do we live as citizens of God's kingdom? Which, if you remember the parable series, we talked a lot about that, because Jesus' stories taught us that, right? But this is, is, is kind of like, here's how to live, because we, we're already not yet. We're still in this, this world, which can be drab and hard and, and challenging, and yet we're supposed to live differently. So, of course, he begins with what we know as the Beatitudes. So, you know, things, uh, you know, kind of like, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, right, blessed are the pure in heart, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And it's, this whole thing is going to be radical, like blessed are, right, and, and, and it's radically different than what we would expect living in this world. And so our first, what, where we're going to start, is sort of the, the end of the beatitude section of this speech that Jesus gives, and it's the most radical one yet. If you grew up in church, you're like ho-hum, but if you didn't, think about what he's saying here, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven right blessed are those who are persecuted I don't know about you but if you've ever been persecuted like verbally or physically or any which way it doesn't feel very blessed does it right you know I'm sitting there thank you for insulting me I feel so blessed right now, right? Nobody says that. So what's Jesus getting at here? Now, he's being very specific. 
if you're persecuted for what? Righteousness sake. Which we talk about righteousness a lot. What is that? It's just very simple. It's living your life day to day, specifically oriented around God, his truth. Doing it his way. Not the world's way, not your way, his way. That's righteousness. So Jesus says, this is how we're to live. Expect persecution. But that's okay because you're blessed because of that. For yours is the kingdom of heaven, right? And so he kind of continues that, that same theme in verse 11. He says, blessed are you when others revile you. Again, oh, I love that. That tends to be verbal persecution. Oh, I just love being reviled. Uh, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. Where? In heaven, right? Your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus again says, blessed are you if you're persecuted. Righteousness, or in this case, following me, my name's sake, right? And, and, and so we're not talking about you're persecuted. For, you know, you go out and rob a bank and get thrown in prison. That's not the persecution that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about persecution for doing what is right, for living good, for following Christ, right? He says, we're in good company. The prophets before us, you read the Old Testament, how often rejected, beaten, thrown in prison, killed. He's like, they did it, uh, so are you, right? And Jesus is our greatest example of this. I mean, nobody lived a better life that you wanted to be around than Jesus, right? I mean, he's healing people, he's, he's raising the dead to life, he's telling storms to stop being storms, right? I mean, who didn't want to be around Jesus, and yet they killed him. He would say, right, he would say, if the world hates me, what do you think they're going to feel about you? you're following me and you're doing life my way so their expectation is there will be persecution right but he said you're blessed but he says blessed because your reward is great in heaven so he says to rejoice right and 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 be glad so he wants us you would expect again this is why it's radical you'd expect Jesus to say listen it's gonna be hard but you can do it it's okay let me rub your back right? Instead, he says, it's going to be hard. You'll be persecuted. Rejoice. Be glad. It's like, if you've heard this, and many of you read this many times, you're like, yeah, 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 I got it. But think about it. First time you hear this, you're like, be glad? Over persecution? Over being reviled? Over having evil done to me? Like, what? Why would I want that? And Jesus gives the answer. He says, because you're going to be blessed in eternity. So you're rejoicing in your persecution. And as we approach 2021, uh, it, it, it's all about our attitude and our view, okay? And, and typically around the new year, we make sure we bring out the rope of hope, don't we? So here it is. Still got it. Let it out of my closet. Most of you have seen this before, but it's all about perspective, isn't it? And so I want you, as we look, in a second we're going to look at how to do it how to be salt, how to be light, okay? But Jesus makes sure we understand, you will be persecuted for doing that. Like you're, They're not going to throw a parade for you, right? This world will persecute you, and that's going to be hard. How do you rejoice? How do you feel gladness through that? It's perspective. And the perspective in this rope shows, right, if this rope is my life, and this is how you always want to think about it, don't think of this, again, as a spectator. This is somebody else's life. This is your life, okay? 
And every one of us, no matter what you believe, no matter where you come from, what's your culture or family, we have a beginning. We were born. We were conceived and born, right? And all of us, regardless of what you might say about it, the Bible's clear, have an everlasting soul, right? So this isn't your 70, 80, 90, or whatever years on the planet. This represents that whole thing, the green tape, which shouldn't be this big. It should be like that big that you can't even see, but I want you to be able to see it, right? If you have eyesight like me, you need more. This is your 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever God gives you here. This is the green tape, right? That's why we say a lot. It's just the green tape because the struggles are in the green tape. The 2021 green tape. 2020, boy, was that green tape, right? All of the persecution that you will get for following Christ, living righteously, green tape. But Jesus says, yeah, but you are blessed. Rejoice because all of this is rewards, right? It's all of this amazing eternity that you have. And so you got to fix your eyes. As you're living in the green tape, you got to get your eyes above it, and you got to fix them on eternity, The rewards are not here. Jesus doesn't promise you to be a millionaire or to always be healthy, never to have grief or sorrow. He actually says you're going to be persecuted. But he says, man, there are so many rewards in heaven. And so as we look at salt and light, keep this in the front of your mind. Like our gladness is because this is nothing compared to what God has waiting for us, right? And so as he's giving this discourse, right, He then gives a strategy for how to do it. And he gives two really, really powerful metaphors, starting in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Useless, right? It's no longer, you're you're no longer fulfilling your purpose. And I actually have over here, my goodies here, some salt. Okay, um, and, and so salt in Jesus' day was much like ours today, except for us, if you'd say the primary use and goodness of salt is to season your food, right? Some of you, your doctor says stop eating it, and you want a cup of this and just literally just eat salt, right? How many just, you, you forget sweets, you just love salt, raise your hand. How many say forget salt, give me sweets, raise your hand. How many are like me, we just like to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We love salt, right? So Jesus' day, they seasoned it as well, but the primary purpose for salt was, and we still do this today, but with refrigeration, it's not as necessary. It kept, right, from meat and food from being defiled. Like, it would keep it a lot longer. That's what salt does, right? And so, so that was the purpose of salt. And so Jesus is actually saying, this is how he wants us to live. Like, be salt. And so it, 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 the metaphor is very clear. As God's people, we are not to, we talked about this last week as well, you are not to recede, right? Because salt, a big mound of salt is really not helpful to anybody, right? The salt has to go into the food to season it and preserve it. And so we as God's people go into our communities, our world, the people who might persecute us, right? And we are to act on God's behalf, living righteous for Jesus' name's sake as salt preserving what is good and true. God uses us, uses the church, uses his people, right? And also seasoning. We should be someone, if someone says, not literally tastes good, but metaphorically, right? Your life should taste good to people. People should say, I like 
being around him or her. I don't always agree with what they say or what they stand upon, but they season, right? They preserve what is good. And so Jesus says that is to be you, despite the persecution, despite the darkness around you. And then he gets to his second major metaphor in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Right, so he, he, if you were, um, this kind of still happens today, a major city and you're in the suburbs or kind of out in the rural near it, you see it well in the distance, especially at night, right, all lit up. Even more so then because if you were, say, like Jerusalem up on a hill, right, it's probably what Jesus had in mind, and, and you're nearby, you can actually uh, find it because of the light is shining forth in the darkness, Right? He says, you, you, you set it up in the hill, you can see it. But then he brings it home that all of us can understand. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Right? So this is an obvious illustration. And Jesus, well, you kind of chuckle at it. Like They had oil lamps back then. So you would get oil ready. It was, it was a lot easier than, I mean, a lot harder than, you know, telling Alexa to turn your lights on, right, that we have. But it's, it's actually getting it ready, getting the oil, right? Imagine that. And then putting a bushel basket over it, right? And, and if you do that, it goes out. And that's just stupid, right? I mean, no one would do that. You wouldn't light up a lamp just to then put it out. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Why would you do that? No, when you're in, at home and you light up a lamp, you get it as high as you can. So then everyone can use it. Everyone can see it. People can now see where they're going, see what they're doing. And everyone will say, obviously, right? Obviously, that's what, what, what you do. And yet, this is what Jesus is saying, how to live. Salt permeates, right? Preserves seasons. Light goes into the darkness, doesn't recede, goes towards, and lights it up so that people can see. And the whole purpose of this, for us to do that, Jesus says in in, in verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the point of our life, my life, isn't that people say, attaboy, Jamie. Good sermon. Like your, oh, that's awesome. I mean, we should encourage each other. Encouragement is good, I, I absolutely. But it's not the point. The point isn't that our church gets cheered or, oh, how great. The point is that people see the light, experience the salt, and praise our Father in heaven. This is the first place, by the way, in Matthew where he uses the word Father for God. For us, we're used to it, right? Our Father, we, we're used to it. It's almost ho-hum. For a Jewish, a largely Jewish audience at that time, this was radical. Like, God of the universe, my Father? Like, that's crazy. And yet Jesus introduced it many times. He, he wanted them to see. He is your Father. And so what we want, our goal in our lives in 2021, right, is to shine. Shine the light so that people might see it and yes, as we'll see, some will persecute, but some will be attracted to it, be see by it, and praise our Father in heaven, right? And so I want to take this, right, and, and, and look at 2021 and just look at this as a game plan. Because Jesus didn't give it just for this year. This is for 2022, 2023, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. 
But as we kind of approach this, even though we all said, yay, new year, 2020 was so terrible, here we go. Has anything changed? <laughs> no, we all know it. Nothing's changed, really. We got some hope on the horizon. Maybe this will happen. And we're all tired. If you're not, tell me why not. Because I am, right? I'm tired of this. Make sure you sit here. Don't talk to anyone. Can't have food. Can't do I'm tired of it. You're tired of it. And, and, and we're, we're, we have angst. We have frustration. We have anger. We threw politics into it. Oh, my goodness, right? And so we face all of that and all of those effects, right? And so we need a game plan. It's not to recede because that's what we want to do. We want to sit back. Right? And say, well, if we just had this, it'd be good. Well, remember what Gandalf said. No, 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 no. It's the ordinary hobbits like us. And I'm not saying you look like hobbits. You're beautiful people, okay? But it's us. It's ordinary folk. It's ordinary people collectively that live out the light and live out the salt. So he gives us a game plan. And the first one is be salty in 2021. Now, typically, when you think of be salty, it's a different definition, isn't it? That's why I used it. Because we've, we've proven ourselves very good at being salty that way, haven't we? Maybe being angry in our conversations or our messages or our posts or our online use, social media, griping, moaning, complaining, all of that, right? Because we're salty, we're frustrated, we're bitter. And some of that's understandable, but how we react to it, right, it's got to change collectively. I'm not saying we're all like 100%, but just it something has to give, and God's people have to lead forward. And so be salty in 2021 means Jesus' way of being salty. Very different than the, the saltiness that uh, we might be used to it, right? So salt, as we mentioned, right, of what it does, salt in, in Jesus' day and before, rabbis would often use it as a metaphor for wisdom, right? Wisdom is just living out kind of like righteousness, living out God's word, God's truth practically, not just learning a bunch of stuff and then treating people like junk. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is the opposite of foolishness. And so if we don't be salty Jesus' way, he would say you're living as a fool. You might know the Bible inside and out. You're being a fool when you don't live that way. Having wisdom is being salty. And so that means, and I want you to think about your own life right now. Don't think generally. Don't think what someone else should do. Where does God have you? Does he have you in school? Does he have you on campus? Does he have you um, in playing fields, uh, sports teams, or activities, or whatever we're allowed to do these days? Does he have you at work, at home with kids? Does he have you single? Does he have you um, in a marriage? Does he have you as a grandparent? Does he have you... Uh, where does he have you? What's your neighborhood like? What's, who are the people in your circle? And how have you been doing when it comes to saltiness? Jesus salty or the world salty? How is our online use? How is our social media or posts or those types of things? Think about it. And, and, and this is not meant, okay, to be a guilt and a shame sermon. Okay? I don't want you leaving here, I never do, saying, oh my gosh, boy, I really blew it. <laughs> I really messed up. I shamed that person, I posted that, I said that, I texted that, I even thought that. That was horrible, I'm terrible, I may as well just give up. You see, that is what the cross is all about, isn't it? 
Isn't the cross about that sin, that post, that stupid thing you said, that horrible way you made someone feel in 2020? I don't want you leaving here and saying, I, I, I screwed up. Repent, confess, be done with it. Jesus died for that sin. He didn't just die generally. He died for that. And yes, we don't want to repeat it. That's the whole point of this message. We want it to be different. We want to turn the page and say, let's be different. Let's be salty Jesus way. And I know many of you are already doing that, so do it more. Permeate, preserve. That's what he uses in this dark world, right? Us, little ordinary hobbits like us, to be the salt, right? To preserve what is true and what is good. To remind the world God's way of doing it. As we'll talk in a second, it does mean people will hate us for it. Jesus already told us that. But he said, blessed are you. Don't forget the, the rope. Blessed are you in heaven because you have been a salt. You've preserved what is good. You've seasoned people's lives with your life. Be salty. And so we confess what we've done wrong and we turn the page. And, and, and this, the second and, and last point really that, that Jesus gives us strategies Reflect the light in 2021. And I use that very specifically. Reflect the light. Okay? So I have a, a light here that usually Steve shines in my eyes when we're doing videos. Okay? And, uh, oh gosh, yeah, I know. He puts them right on my face, though. Okay? So don't, don't get upset. All right. So we have a light here. Can you turn the lights off, Mike, for us? Just the house lights. It's, it's just for kind of for effect. Okay? Now, the light, of course, even though Jesus says you're the light of the world, the light is Christ, okay? Our job is to reflect it, right? And so the more, and, and so the further away we are, the less we're reflecting. But the more and more and more we get it, right, and we can ref reflect the light into the darkness. But it's Jesus' light, isn't it? He's the light. So I say that to you because if you're here and you're like, well, I don't really know much about Jesus, but I can do this, right? I listen to some self-help guru, and I can, I, can, I can make a New Year's resolution. and be, All you're going to do is create more darkness. I hate to bring, it, bring, bring the bad news to you. You can't drum it up in yourself. You need to be born again in Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to do if you've never done it is surrender fully in faith to Jesus. I know you still think, nah, nah, I can do this. You will not. It will be a failure. I love you too much to say you can do You can't. So we reflect that light, all right? It's kind of like the best example uh, of, of this, right, is, um, I don't know if the other night, did you guys happen to, to catch the, the moon the other night? I was driving down my, my road and it was like, whoa, right? How many, how many got excited about the Christmas star, anybody? I'm always like, all right, that's nice, but that's cool. We're just used to it. We see it a lot, right? And, and yet, the moon is like the greatest metaphor. Now, there's a lot, a lot of reasons we have the moon and it's placed where it is, right? But God, I, I believe one of the things he does is he gives us a metaphor of this whole reflecting light. I don't know uh, where you were the first time you learned this. Maybe this is your first time. Hopefully, it's only students. But um, I remember being in grade school when our science teacher told us that the moon does not give off light. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Excuse me, have you ever heard of moonlight? Hello, right? And, and, and the teacher taught us. Like, no, 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 that's the sun, right? And you just can't see the sun at night. It's behind, it's, you know, you've rotated, and it's reflecting off of the moon. 
And so the reason we can see that beautiful light, right, is not because the moon is giving off the light, but because the moon is reflecting the sun. And so that's the idea uh, that Jesus is saying is he's the light of the world. But the more we can get closer, we draw closer and closer and closer. And this dark, drab world around us, we shine the light of Jesus Christ through our lives. That's the approach in 2021. To be the moon. To maybe to, to, to be something that brightens up the world, not creates more darkness. Right? The other day, I think it was New Year's Day, I was praying. And I know you're going to find this very surprising, but I tend to pace around when I'm praying. I know, shocking. Mike, it's not that funny, man. What's going on? <laughs> and and uh, he's, God's okay with it because this is how he created me, all right? And uh, somehow I ended up in my living room. I didn't start there, and I'm not sure how I got there, okay? But I was praying, and I was praising, just kind of trying to spend time praising the Lord. And, and I found myself looking out. We have this big window that overlooks our driveway, but beyond that is woods. Um, it's kind of a nice scene in the summer, birds and flowers and trees and leaves and all that, right? In the winter, it is horrible, right? It's drab. I can see into the woods falling trees and logs and dirt. And to top it all off, when I was in quarantine, God bless their souls, a couple of Amazon drivers got stuck in my lawn, and they just <laughs> tried to get out, and they tore it all up. So, And then they tried to use cardboard, and they left that there. Anyway, the point is, as I'm looking out the window, I'm like, boy, this is disgusting, right? This is the drabbest winter scene you can imagine. And as I'm looking, though, my eyes, boom, gravitated towards something, and it wasn't very big. But I stopped seeing the, the drab scene, and I saw this little, beautiful, glowing red thing. It was a cardinal. Don't you love cardinals in the winter? In the summer, you don't really see them. They blend in with all the other cool stuff happening. But the winter... I feel bad if they're prey for something because you can't hide if you're a cardinal, at least a male cardinal. And, and man, that's all I could see. It was sitting way off into the distance, and I could see in that drab winter scene a cardinal. And so it's like reflecting the light, be a cardinal. There's a, a woman named Marilyn Gardner. Some of you know her. She's elderly. She's in a nursing home. Um, I've talked to her on the phone but haven't seen her since COVID. She used to get... Before she was in a nursing home, she would get a, a ride to church and sit back there. Every once in a while, she would send me a card. And she couldn't do much. She was pretty homebound. And she'd send me a card. She'd always write like a little scripture verse on it. And she'd write a pretty detailed message in a card. I know, stamp, card, address, the whole thing. Amazing, right? It wasn't an email. It was an actual physical card. And, and she would just write out something that I said that touched her heart in a message. She never wrote criticism. She never said, she's seen literally thousands of sermons, right? <laughs> because she's grown up in the church. She's seen so many. And yet, she would send me very specific encouragement. She couldn't do much else, but Marilyn is a cardinal in the drab winter land of life. If you go way back, maybe you remember this older woman, um, at least when I met her. She grew up, she was in this church for decades. Her name was Avis Williams. By the time I, I, I knew her before this, when I became the lead pastor, Avis was um, 99 years old and in a nursing home, wheelchair bound, and really couldn't even remember her family. And I remember going to visit her, and sitting next to her, we were kind of talking. She didn't, I mean, we, she knew me before, but at this point in her life, she didn't know who I was. And, and so I, I said, hey, Avis, I'm from the church. And she went, oh, the church, right? Her eyes wide open. And she took my hand, 
And I'll never forget this. She took my hand and she said, will you do me a favor? And I said, yeah, Ava, sure. What, what do you need? And she said, will you tell that new young pastor that I believe God has placed him there for a reason. And I pray for him every single day. And I said, because you got to realize, even I, I, I thought, why am I doing this? I'm just a moron. I can't pastor a church. The only thing that ever encouraged me is reading the Bible and realizing, oh, everybody's a moron. I'm just along the line with them. But it took someone like Avis who, man, just could have easily said, you young, what do you know? You're right. Didn't even know she was talking to the person. Avis, wheelchair bound, no memory, can't even really recognize her family at that point, was a cardinal. Do you see? Ordinary, common folk like us, whatever it is, whether you're a student or you're elderly, close to the nursing home age, or wherever that might mean for you. And everywhere in between, you are you. Okay? Don't look at it as, well, everyone else. I have my circle of friends, neighbors, church, people, family, kids, grandkids, be a cardinal. Or, as Jesus said, shine the light in 2021. That's what this world needs. Not so much a vaccine or a new politician or a new law or a what's your size check you're going to get. What we need are each and every one of us, right, to be the salt and to be the light. Because when you think about this salt, right, when, when, I, when I put my finger in here and I think of a, just a couple of grains, it's nothing. You wouldn't, I would throw this, no one will even have to vacuum that up. It's gone. But collectively, as a families and as a church, other churches throughout the world, we are mounds of salt and light. But each and every one of us has our place, as 2021 comes, I want us to re just remember the whole point that Jesus said. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now remember, persecution. It's how we started. See, I have a theory that there's a reason why when you are light, you get persecuted. And it's because... When you shine a light, there's sometimes you don't want light. You ever been in a hotel room? Someone gets out a black light? You ever seen those shows? You don't want to see that. That's disgusting. I don't want it. Keep it dark. I don't want to know. And so there's people all around us who are in the darkness and want to be. And when your life, even if you're just being the light of Christ, right, following him, standing upon his truth, you shine a light onto their life. Some people love it and praise our Father, and that's awesome. They're attracted to that light and to that salt. Others hate you for it because they want their darkness and they don't want it exposed. So all I say that for you is just remember the game plan is to be salt and light, but expect as you shine more and more, it's going to bring some who are attracted and it's going to bring others, probably even more, who hate you for it. But Jesus said, blessed are you. Your rewards in heaven are great. So make the decision for this year. What do we want? Do we want the world to applaud us? Ooh, I was snarky and everyone thought that was funny. Or do we want God to say, praise, that's just amazing that you were a cardinal to those people at that time. Every one of us can do it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I thank you that we can come to prayer, Lord, and, and just 
give it all to you. And God, if there's anyone um, who feels shame because of what's happened maybe in the last several uh, weeks, months, or even year, Lord, I pray that they would remember the bloodshed, why we celebrated the Lord's Supper today, that they, if in Christ, have trusted in Christ, are forgiven. And God, that sin is as far as east is to west, buried under the deepest ocean, that you have forgotten it because it's paid in full. We must forget it too. We confess it. We move on from it. Lord, I pray as we approach, as we are already in the beginning of this new year, but still so much frustration around us, that we would be cardinals, God, that we would be reflecting of the light, that, God, we would be your salt. Father, for everyone in this room, you've placed us in different places. And, God, we have choices to make, choices to be a part of the drab world around us or a choice to be different, to stand out as salt and light. Give us the strength of the Holy Spirit. Give us the wisdom poured upon us to be your people be your light that this world so desperately needs. God, we're just ordinary. We, we often think of ourselves as far too small to make any difference, but collectively, God, I know you've always used your people, and you will continue to. Enthuse us. Get us excited about going out there and being your people. It's in Jesus' name we praise you and thank you.